Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gaming Materialists. Uh, this is Revolution's monthly discussion of games and other things relating to pop culture. And that is what we are going to be talking about today. We are going to be moving a little bit away, a little bit out of our comfort zone to talk about Disney superheroes and whether Disney and the whole superhero genre is ruining cinema as some people are saying or are the people who are complaining about the changes in cinema are they all just racists and of course here to discuss things with me today are the one and only c derek vaughn how you doing vaughn i'm fine uh, uh um i guess maybe we could call i don't know um I, I'm, I'm looking at numbers as we talk right now, and I, I can already tell you that I find the framing of this question to be interesting because there's kind of two things at hand. Is this a viable form of entertainment in the long run? And also, uh, is it is it art or some shit like that that I, I don't care about? So, is it, now that uh... I don't care about art, but but that question has always just struck me as like a bad faith question, so it's... Like, yeah, the, yeah, it's art. The question is, is it art you like or is it art that's well-made? Like, that's a separate question from whether it's art, whatever the fuck that means. And then, well, Discourse, <laughs> who is also joining us, is it art? Uh, is, uh, 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 is Iron Man 3 art? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, yeah it's art. <laughs> yeah. But as we say, is it, is it, is it good art? Is it, uh, is it cinema, capital C? Is it cinema? Is it truly artistic thing? Mm. And we have a very special guest, the most urban member of the This Is Revolution crew, the king of This Is Revolution, a fan of superhero movies, Jason Miles. Hey, Jason. Oh, look at Jason giving himself the applause. Uh, How are you doing, Jason? I'm uh, doing great. And uh, yes, it is racist. Oh, it is racist. Well, yeah. let's let, let's uh, uh, let's let's talk I about think why the, we... this is. You know, the, the, these movies are liberal fantasies, and I think I've told this on the show before. I was at a comic con in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing some work for Gillette, and this little black kid was dressed as Thor. He he had he didn't have the wig, but he had the little helmet, and he had the the chest thing. And he had his little hammer mm -hmm. and he was walking with such confidence. He couldn't have been more than Zal's age. He couldn't have been more than four or five. And he was walking with such confidence in his Thor suit that everyone, and there's thousands of people in the street during Comic-Con. I don't know if you guys have ever been to the San Diego one. And people were just losing their mind how just adorable little black Thor was. <laughs> you know, so. well, well, there's been a little bit of controversy lately around this question and this was something that discourse brought to our attention so you know quentin tarantino martin scorsese these big directors big uh adult directors would you call them adult directors discourse would you say you know how would you describe scorsese and tarantino i guess that, i suppose at this <laughs> traditional i guess at this stage right um, yeah like traditional type of uh, cinema types. I mean, like I think Quentin Tarantino in particular 
is a little bit silly himself. I mean, all the most famous things from the movie, uh, uh, the movies are kind of a little bit silly. But, you know, people regard him as a serious movie maker and he's kind of whatever he regards himself. And so, you know, a lot of journalists have been asking uh, these quote unquote serious directors about their feelings about superhero movies. And generally they either avoid commenting or comment somewhat uh, uh, negatively. And obviously there's been some response, especially from the Disney Marvel industrial complex that is producing a lot of these superhero movies. We have a quote here from uh, Simu Liu, who basically he says, uh, if only the gatekeepers of movie stardom came from uh, Tarantino and Scorsese, I would never have had an opportunity to lead in a 40 million uh, plus movie. He's, he's Shang-Chi, right? This is the Shang-Chi guy. He's Shang-Chi. He's basically, he's like, I think you're all, all um you know geniuses but really you're kind of just you know racist you know i love the golden age but it was white as hell and of course that is true <laughs> it, it is uh, certainly true that um uh people from particular ethno-racial minorities and ethnic groups have generally been ex excluded from the movie industry and in fact in in this case it's probably not black people we're talking about being excluded from movies often asian people uh, you have all kinds of uh, bizarre in, uh, individuals being cast as Asian characters can as I, well. Can I put a, a point in that, though? Because when you're accusing that of, uh, of someone like Scorsese, when Scorsese enters the movie market in the 60s, Italians are not clearly white. They're about on the... And they, like... So I find, I find this going back and retroacting race standards from 2022 in America back on to 1916 America, a little bit weird. Um, it's also interesting to me because we are talking about people who, uh, who are obsessed, were interested in, we're kind of conflating two different time, time periods. Uh, uh, Tarantino's, very problematic uh in a lot of ways but he was also uh, a leader in casting people of color in his movies in the early 90s mm. so, time, I mean, which mm. was a time when those when like black exploitation and other markets for black actors had dried up I'll, I'll push back on that and say tarantino is antithetical to spike lee so even though i don't have to like spike lee's films Sam Jackson dancing for crack or Sam Jackson wearing an unnecessary jerry curl wig. I don't know. Tarantino to me is famous for white people saying the N-word. Hmm. What are your thoughts, Discourse, on uh, on, on this entire debate about like the, the old school directors versus this whole uh, new diverse disney universe that's coming into being 
Yeah, I, I think that there's a ton of different issues that are all becoming conflated in one another that kind mm -hmm. of get turned into sound by right? Like this is how like discourse functions these days because you have a number of different issues. Uh, so there is definitely, there's obviously there's nepotism in Hollywood is a huge mm -hmm. thing. So there's mm -hmm. always been gatekeepers, uh, definitely. And mm -hmm. I think that there is 100% uh, that, that people have been excluded along like racial lines as well, I mean, right? When you talk about uh, Scorsese, that's Nick Cage's uncle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nick Cage's when real last name. They're always related. <laughs> they're always related. When you look into like anybody who's like, I did this all on my Talia own. Talia Shire is isn't that his <laughs> yeah. sister or something? Yeah, like, yeah. Those are, just yeah, to, just like, to clarify, uh, that's Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, Coppola. Uh, sorry. Coppola. Yeah, but but no, you're right. What 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 I think is interesting is you had all these outsiders brought in in the late '60s because the studio system failed, and they mm -hmm. immediately set up a nepotism system. Like yeah. Like, um, like it, like the the amount of Coppola's and and uh, people related to De Niro, uh, mm. uh, and stuff like that. Like, his daughter was in a Tarantino movie, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. So it, it's just it, it it became what it was critiquing. Except now it was all informal family relations, where before it was studio relations. And what we've had. In this time period, one of the things I find interesting, and we were talking about it off air, and I think maybe this is a way to to Dana help uh, pull away the threads that discourse is talking about, because conflating the threads is what people want to do right now. And Disney, a lot of the complaints that the auteur people have, which I think are 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 interesting, and we could talk about it about art with people of color because Disney is actually good about hiring uh directors of color um but all their movies end up looking the same and even when there's a, a movie that is somewhat distinct a director somewhat distinct you look at taika watiti uh mm. or james gunn um uh both of those eventually fall to house style so what you could identify as taika watiti in say uh thor ragnarok by thor love and thunder there's not a whole lot of anything recognizable as Taika, particularly there. I say it as if I know him. Um, um, but can't what you are the say that about most big producers, though? Oh, totally. I mean, you you can. And, and, and watch Poltergeist. Does that feel like Toby Hooper? It's Toby no. Hooper directs Poltergeist, right? It's, but it feels like Steven Spielberg. So, well, so I think this is. I think what what I, my point is that there's that we are blaming, um a bunch of movie trends that have happened before, as we were talking about on Marvel in particular and Disney uh, generally. Um, I think what's interesting and what is different. And we talked about this is it's a combination of a bunch of things that we haven't seen together. You were talking about the secondary market part of this. Well, that's eighties uh, children's uh, movie marketing, right? Um, that's where that starts. That's where like, it really mm -hmm. kind of starts mm -hmm. with star Wars mm -hmm. by accident, but it's deliberate after star Wars. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, then you have the dominant franchise of one genre that's easy to watch. And this was something Gene was talking about. So you had it with Westerns, you had it with, uh, action movies in the eighties and early nineties. Uh, then you have IP mongering, which really begins in the nineties. Um, but what uh, the reason why I think d the Disney movies are so resented uh, by artists is because 
they are basically sucking all those things together into one conglomerated force where you have periphery markets now tied into a single genre of which there is a single IP now because Marvel, while not the clear winner in comics or anything like that, and I can talk about those stats, uh, is the clear winner in like no one gives a shit about Culture. DC movies. You're right. <laughs> I, right. I do. Were you sad about Wonder Woman 3? (laughs) I liked Batman v Superman. I'm going to put put that right out. I'm going to drop that right now. There we go. There it is. Hot take. How do you feel? So, so Discourse, so you talked about the nepotism, and, you know, Vaughn's kind of followed up with how these things all come together. So, I mean, do you think the criticism, even if you know, even if the auteur directors don't have much of a standing to be that, uh, ang- you know, that that enraged by it. Do you think? Do you think the criticism is f- is fair about these mo- uh, about these movies that they that they 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 become kind of corporate and they have a star? Because when I see an, uh, a Marvel movie, and maybe maybe you disagree with me on this, it's they all seem to have fallen like Vaughn says into a house style where you have um you know you have the kind of witty banter right which I'm like really sick of right I'm like really (laughs) sick of the jokey witty banter and the asides and the you know but there is like very much a kind of style that that you see anytime there's a kind of innovation in a Marvel movie like something like uh Guardians of the Galaxy people really like suddenly that gets uh, uh, uh that gets like sucked into the style and then every movie going forward has that same bullshitty witty banter that might have worked in one context but after six movies of it you're like i just can't take this anymore I want yeah some- what do you th- what, what what would you define as this style and how is it affecting well, it's tough. It's so it's hard for me to examine really because I feel like uh, one of the problems uh, that Marvel movies have is that they have definitely they, they definitely have a formula and that is 100% driven by studio uh, by the studios. And obviously then you have auteurs like Tarantino who are going to resent studio interference in that way. You know, obviously Tarantino has never made a Disney movie, right? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for good reason more than likely. Um, so I age. Tarantino did. He did. Thank God. Huh. I, I did not know that. I did not that's know that. That's why you got Django Unchained. Yeah. Uh, so that that's fascinating, actually. So mm-hmm. I, I I understand it. Uh, but for, movies have always had formulas, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the, the 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 idea of a movie being formulaic is not a new one. What I will say though is that I do feel like there has been there's never been the amount of quantity that there is now. That the the actual monetization of these movies uh, is feels very oppressive. As someone, I don't I don't really watch Marvel movies. So what that means is that actually I don't really get a, a lot of movies to watch in the year. Uh, most of the movies that I watch would be like horror movies these days, which seem to be same the thing. last sort of bastion. I, I yeah. mean, I, I'm starting to feel the same way about horror movies. Like the A24 stuff is just, I, I can't. Yeah, I get you. I, see, I love A24, but even they're starting to feel formulaic. Like they've worked out what works. What because it's people a, to watch. It's a, does it feel like in the era of branding, and I think we forget we're in an era of branding. I said A24 movie, and you automatically knew there's a I thing. Know, Even I mean, though there's like, multiple directors that are making these films. Yeah, like Ari Aster, right? right? <laughs> it, it, it's, and, 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 and what I wanted to ask you guys, because I'm really interested on your guys' take on this, 
does it feel like because there's something that marvel is doing that no one's really talking about outside of the industry and really to me this is the crux of these kind of older heads why they're so pissed off a lot of these directors are first-time people they either did small indie films and they're thrown hundreds of millions of dollars to do movies they have no idea how to do right so I was talking with Ben Burgess' brother, actually, who works in, in the film industry. Works in Robot Chicken. Is that where he works? He, he works, he works in, at a, I know he does a few things. Him and his wife work in the industry. He did Robot Chicken. And we were, we were talking about, about, about actors. And first and foremost, a lot of the vehicles that actors had, a theater system. There's a reason why there's so many people coming from the UK. We don't really have a theater system the same way that you guys have right. in the UK. We also don't have soap operas, which was a training ground for actors for years. Um, so now you have a lot of inexperienced people. A, a lot of times with these movies, not so much with Marvel movies, but with some of these smaller Netflix movies, you're seeing people that are coming from social media. Literally someone with a ring light camera making jokes and silly shit gets thrown into a $100 million film. Um, and you're seeing directors with no experience because now the brand of Marvel, i.e. the Eternals, as we were talking about off air. You know, you have a person that directed a movie, it won an Oscar, but it won an Oscar for cinematography. Right. <laughs> you know, it was a beautifully shot movie. A beautifully shot piece of Amazon propaganda. Right. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to tell this person, you shot this Amazon propaganda, this Amazon, like uh, one of those movies you watch when you first get a job, you know. They, uh, and, and you're going to give them a Marvel movie filled with with uh special effects that you have no idea how it's running what do you guys think about these older directors and these more established stars kind of being mad that they are no longer the go-to i don't need scorsese's name i don't need tarantino's name i the guy from shangzi again i couldn't say his name and i just read it on the screen for five minutes but he was he's right he's in a 400 million dollar movie that was shot i mean he's canadian too i mean i think this is really important we don't have uh there are very few stars now that bill a movie like you got tom cruise there's a tom cruise movie used to be will smith until will smith uh, did a bit of toxic masculinity uh at the oscars but like literally for the last 20 years those are the only two actors who could carry a movie Right, who can get as a branding, right? And who, 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 like, will basically the movie will be made for them. There's like specific, like, all the Will Smith movies are the same, right? Like, so, I firmly believe Will Smith is like a shitty actor because every movie since Bad Boys, he's just played the same guy in Bad as in Bad Boys over, and I like Bad Boys, right? <laughs> But, you know, like when you stick the dude from Bad Boys into iRobot, it's like, what the hell is going on here? So there's that. That's gone. The big director thing is declining because, I mean, we've, I mean, discourse, you've talked about this in the context of Warhammer art. Like back in the 90s when I was coming up in Warhammer, you knew who all the artists drawing the pictures in the Warhammer book were. You knew who was writing the rules. It was like, Gal Thorpe or Jarvis Johnson. Like these names are big, right? Now, 
they, they don't even credit people anymore. They don't credit people, right? Like, so yeah. you don't know who is doing any of the Warhammer art. You don't know. It's I the mean, studio. It's it's, it's the studio. Warhammer studio. It's the Games Workshop studio. No, it's it's the the art. But you know what else operates like this and no one talks about? Well, music. Yeah, music. Yep. music. I was actually going to talk about music was the is, is the is the thing that is the leader for mm -hmm. for 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 this market trend because I always think about this too. Uh, I don't want to sound like an old dude, although I am. And I'm Shout an old, old most, dudes. yeah. I'm an, <laughs> I'm an old, mostly white dude at that. Um, so, uh, but one thing I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say is like there there have been studies on the generification of popular music and also why we now have all these things coming back from a market that's now like you know like Kate Bush comes back from the grave. Um, I, I, I like, I, I, yes. I, I think we might even see eventually like some weird shit, like something from the thirties go viral on TikTok. Um, like George Thornby makes it. George Thornby. That's because head. in two whole genres of music though, um, in general pop, um, downstream, a little bit downstream from R&B and then in country music mm -hmm. that those songs post about 2009 are basically written by an algorithm mm -hmm. like and and you can just place them on top of each other and also between genres so genre distinctions are also harder to tail apart um there's and, a youtube video of that for people by the way that Derek's talking about yep and I think we see this with Marvel movies. What I found interesting is my favorite period of Marvel movies was Phase Two. Yes, I'm nerdy enough to to watch this. I don't. And so, so what came? What comes out during that phase? That's the phase where they start trying to incorporate all these genres um, from the '70s into Marvel movies. So you get your '70s paranoid thriller, uh, mm. Captain America movie. You get your. Um, um, they were taking this format and then slapping it on another kind of movie and incorporating it in. Um, and you started seeing the only really successful DC movies from a, from, from a, um, from a money standpoint uh, did the same thing. So the Joker um, basically is basically a Scorsese movie yeah. as a, as a as a as a dc villain um but just like with music that's gonna mean that that's gonna that's gonna reincorporate it in the dna and the initial like interest that creates for a director or for the for audiences is gonna disappear and, and when we talk about the decline of the star i was thinking about this the other day i was like why don't we have movies that talk about adult relationships that are not like porn mm -hmm. um like we don't have like even the romantic comedy is now dying. Yeah. Um, and and I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, but we also don't have any fucking stars that are younger than 60, <laughs> but older than 22. Like, there's Zandaya. I guess she's probably old, a little bit older than 22. I don't know. There's Zandaya, and then there's Tom Cruise. And there is, you cannot think of anybody of any significance. That's a romantic comedy right there. But, but you know what's <laughs> funny, though? It's, Tom Cruise, it, it, you never... Zendaya to uh, Scientology. There we go. That's the movie. You, 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 you never talk about the age gap, though, in, in relationships when it comes to, to movies and mm -hmm. male actors that are generally playing 
way they're 50 year old dudes that are married to 20 year old women and they're supposed to be the same age don't make fun of of I feel like I mean, I I mean when you see, I mean, discourse when you see like these kind of like uh, star vehicles, uh, like who are stars anymore? Like in Britain, it's one of the weird things about being from Britain is that you end up watching all these movies and you're like, oh, that's the dude from EastEnders. And, yeah. And <laughs> it's like the, 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 yeah, these genres are totally, totally dead. Honestly, at this stage, I remember character actors more easily. Yep. <laughs> totally. I, I'm yeah. with you on that. Like, but he, I was actually thinking about that. There's been horror movies that have tried to break out with, with like Marvel and or Game of Thrones, speaking of somebody or whatever stars. It doesn't work because people don't care about the actor outside of the specific role. With the literally the only person I can think of right now is Zendaya. Um, and I guess we could talk about the the two exceptions. So as a sign of hope, and that is Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart and Adam Driver, all of whom come out of like weird niche properties 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. If you'd have told me that Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson would have been major actors off of the first Twilight movie, I would have like laughed at your face. So it's not it's not like there's no way out. But I also mentioned that as like the weird exception that proves the rule, because when I'm going through, those are the only two I can think. How of long that. did it take, though, Derek? It took a decade. It took a decade for them to get get out of that. And they had to do a lot of small movies, as these actors try to do, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I think we saw the failure as well of trying to get big actors in these movies with Morbius. Jared Leto didn't need to be in Morbius. I watched it. Do you think Jared, do you think Jared Leto's a big... Do you think he gets he gets butts on Jared stage? Le- I've never seen a person get that much love and hate at the same time. Yeah. Yes, and, and you talk about someone that follows a trend. I remember I was at a uh what was that traveling festival, the first one in the nineties, Derek? Uh the first Lollapalooza. one Lollapalooza, yeah. I was at a Lollapalooza in in Mountain View, California, and I saw his band when they first came out on a small stage. It was very different from the My Chemical Romance cover band they became you know that guy's kind of always followed hot trends i'm sure he pushed really hard to get into a marvel movie but uh he, I does, watched have, it. he does have oscars i mean like it's not, i i find Perfect. him now to be a very Drug handsome yeah. yeah yeah uh the dallas buyers club but i find yeah. him now to be like a very handsome potato <laughs> like, like um it, it's but it's actually interesting. We have seen the star part of this movie, of this series, and, and this is a change in the Marvel movies in particular. They are held down by stars in the beginning. They are. They're mm-hmm. not yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. There's there's no push for that. We're not mm-hmm. trying to find a Robert Downey Jr. or uh, or um, hell anybody. I can't think of of. Go ahead. Uh, to- as as Jason said, it's because of the brand. It's the consistency. People know what they're getting, and I think there's something about this how safe Marvel movies are. They're not challenging at all. I think people like that, you know, in their in their blockbusters. They don't they don't want to be challenged. They, they want to go and just enjoy, you know. They don't need you get the streaming service for your edgy stuff. 
Yeah. And I think when they experimented with Netflix, which, you know, again, we're always, we're not really talking about the market capture that they're doing, you know, for them to put these two properties, these quote unquote darker properties, no pun intended, Luke Cage and Daredevil on, on Netflix and really have more adult content, if you will, complex stories, and then go, well, we're pulling them and we're going to have our own streaming service. Thank you very much, Eva Dick. <laughs> I mean, this, I think this actually this speaks to something like all these trends we've talked about have existed before, but really what marks this phase out is like we're not just talking about a genre, but we're talking about the monopolization of an IP and specifically two mm. IPs which matter. I mean, like the cinematic universe strikes me as having been an accident, uh, but it's 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 created this formula that like discourse will tell you DC has tried to follow that with their uh, movie. Uh, what's his name? Tried Hasbro tried to do a Hasbro. Um, Does anyone you know, remember the Universal Monsters expanding? Yes, Universal Monsters, yes. the Mummy, yes. the Mummy, all that stuff. And Star Wars. And I, and what I wanted to, I was thinking about this morning. I've been watching Andor. Have people been watching Andor? Like Andor is, I, I like Andor. It's a good, it's good. It's a good story. I, I had a more, I had a moratorium on Star Wars stuff, but it got me to watch it. It got I me watched to watch it, Star Wars. but when I was watching it, all I could think was like, this didn't have to be in the Star Wars universe, right? This could have been a thriller sci-fi. There was, you know, the aesthetic didn't feel Star Wars. There's no need for Jedi's. I will I will forever remember a tweet. I think it might have been from the editor of IGN, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure. And they tweeted essentially that they would love to see a Marvel movie about some sort of office worker or just like somebody, you know, whose like lives were just a drama set in the Marvel universe. Like what's day-to-day life like? <laughs> that, that's just a movie. Like what are you talking about? It doesn't need to be a Marvel movie. Not everything. <laughs> well, well, you know what's funny that you say that, Gene? To push back on Andor is funny because no one pushed back on those 400,000 books that came out from like 88 to 2000 and whatever. And those, these shows to me are an extension of the books and the video games. Like all of us got excited when Shadows of the Empire video game dropped in, was it 95, 96? Because it was, ooh, there's a story in between uh, Empire and Jedi who's dash rendar like we all got excited about that yeah my my, my hot take okay. from the year tw- uh, 2001 to year 2005 was that the video game storylines were better than the prequels which i still think uh, is true yeah very true. <laughs> that's why they're biting them derek that's what aren't they biting some of the video game storylines for some of these new movies yeah i mean he's throwing andor i mean it, it's interesting though i mean wh- one of the things about that is that I don't. I think people when they were like, "Oh, they got rid of the extended canon of Star Wars," and I'm like, "Yeah, because they didn't want to have to pay all those writers." <laughs> like, like they got to go back and give royalties. Like, I don't know, eighty five different writers for that, like Lucasfilm, because they were really promiscuous with rights on these periphery uh, um, things in the eighties mm-hmm. and nineties. Like, they just wanted material out there, and they give it to like anyone who'd make it. Did, did- you know Kenner or was it Kenner or Hasbro had Kenner was pitched a movie did you see that Dan Larson our friend Dan Larson from Mm -hmm. Toy Galaxy or sorry Secret Galaxy uh uh did a show on this did you watch that Derek where Kenner had the Kenner or Hasbro I can't remember which one they pitched a whole movie because like we got a toy line 
that we want to do for After Jedi. So, hey, we got a movie for you guys. <laughs> yeah, that was in Kenner because wow. Ken, Ken, Kenner, Kenner exists. It was mm. a small Midwestern toy company. Mm. It, it wasn't really doing that well. It exists. The only reason it's still around is it got, by accident, the rights to the 70s Star Wars toys, and they have maintained those rights forever. Like, everything else is Hasbro now. Till um, all are one. Uh, yeah. but, but I find, I, I, I just, to return to the IP thing, I just find the IP issue is, like, very restricting because it, it, it both, it forces people to, it forces people to write their stories in a in a universe which is universe. owned by someone else right which uh, and i think that's kind of delicate i mean we go ahead I, I, I wonder though if there's like some of the issues that we're talking about are down to two things first the fact that extended universes and things like that used to be quite fringe right like the star wars extended universe most star wars fans like hadn't read them you know even people who were like quite big fans and secondly uh so they've become more mainstream now obviously with the marvel movies but then secondly that this seems to have been almost weaponized by a single company whereas before you know maybe you had trends like cowboy movies but correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't, wasn't every studio making cowboy movies and competing yeah. with each other yeah. to make yeah. the best? Now you just have Marvel movies. You know, they, they're Disney. They're all Disney. You know, nobody else can seem to quite capture that magic. So, I mean, I, I think, think that's just an important, like Star Wars, I mean, it comes down to copyright law. You know, like, right. You if you, you know, I think uh, under older copyright law regimes, people should by now be able to make their own Star Wars movies, and we would perhaps get better Star Wars movies if uh, if the if if the story of Star Wars was now public domain. But because all these IPs are locked up in complicated uh, legal arrangements and managed very carefully, this means that you know, like you have companies that own popular culture. You go back to ancient times, like nobody freaking owned the iliad or like ancient <laughs> stories people yeah. iterated on those stories or even like the night the early 19th uh the early 19th and even up to the early 20th century yeah, like i mean hp lovecraft right you don't like hp yeah. love those stories are, are uh, public domain which and... is why everyone uses them yeah that's yeah. why everybody uses them right there's, you've never seen such an explosion of an IP, you know, by various it, different companies. But there are some Disney IPs that are as old as Lovecraft, though, and I want to point that out because Disney has been very particular about how to extend its uh, its IP rights. Um, uh, it's going to be interesting because Tolkien, for example, falls, I think, in the next five years, falls in the public domain, and the Tolkien estate is not able, because there's no single company with those rights, um, to there's no company's going to be pushing for those rights to be uh, all within one company. So like there's five different companies, for example, like, so that's why uh, whenever you watch a Tolkien property, like say the Hobbit, they can't mention certain things from the Sam Marillion because those rights yeah. are actually owned by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so on that scenario, all the companies are literally just rating like this for the rights to go up. And so they can finish telling the stories in the, in that they bought and we're going to have like eight different versions of Lord of the Rings or something. Disney makes sure that does not happen. Um, some of these superhero properties now have been renewed. Like I'm not quite sure how Superman is not in the public domain, except that people have been good about keep keeping it out of it. Um, uh oh, Derek. Yeah, that's a good point though. I've never thought about Superman being in the public domain. I always think of like Mickey Mouse and stuff, but not uh not I mean, Superman. Superman. What, so, about, what about there's Batman? that? Why isn't Batman I, I think... in the public domain? Batman's been around since what the twenties, thirties? 
Both they're Batman just... and Superman are are hitting 100 years old. Their the, yeah. their copyrights have been extended. It's bonkers. Um, I, I, uh, I mean, when we talk about the failure of DC, I do want to ask you guys: Does DC? They never built out a universe when they had an opportunity to in the in the 80s. They really did, and they also too were kind of whores when it came to selling the the rights because those canon superman films were horrible yeah and did that kind of hurt them even moving forward because these super iconic characters of batman and superman only batman they were kind of able to to save after the failure of the 90s films well well it's funny because it's the it's the lesser known heroes for marvel that managed to succeed at first right because still, they didn't have the expectations yeah still whereas batman and superman have really struggled because you know you look at like the man of steel movies you know the more modern ones and mm -hmm. everybody see all the superman fans are divided because they have an opinion on how <laughs> superman has to act iron man who cares like i mean who cares right? <laughs> like like who actually cares like the the, the diehard sycophants of the he doesn't have cartoon. a mustache <laughs> <laughs> you ruined the character you know whereas they were able to introduce those to an audience and and create a new thing and i think dc has actually suffered now for having such a recognizable cast whereas with marvel it just feels like they could do anything with them yeah that's that's an interesting point because i've thought about that now that in wakanda forever they've introduced the x-men without without telling anyone they've done it um by by namor being a villain oh, that's an x-men that's an x-men character that introduces that's them that's them showing to yeah they did actually um he he's he, his origins are are changed so that he has a tie to the weird wakanda flower but um uh but he's a mutant still that's why he can do what he can do which which means they have to People who were comic book nerds in the 90s, they've announced to us without announcing to us that they are going to roll out the X-Men. The interesting thing about that is X-Men, like Spider-Man, is one of those properties where people care about, even though X-Men has like 300 something characters in it actually it's <laughs> like it, it, it's it's a crazy how many characters are in the X-Men IP set. But it's a big universe. Right. Really. It really um, is. Um and and I'm actually been like puzzling like how are they gonna incorporate it because they want to I know they do who's Storm is you gonna are you gonna roll out Halle Berry I would roll out Halle Berry a Storm <laughs> hell yeah she's my, she's my forever Storm I, I I would love to see Halle Berry I, I, does Hugh Jackman come back I think he doesn't want to do steroids anymore I think he's <laughs> yeah I think his, 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 his testicles must have like shriveled up. <laughs> I, you know, you got to love it when all these people are like, oh, yeah, I'm working out for this movie and, you know, I'm doing this version. It was like, dude, you're just taking a bunch of steroids and starving yeah. yourself. We know Have what you're seen? doing. Well, they're working out, too. Don't be mean. They like are working out, too. Like, but, you know, yeah, my brother, have you seen Joe my brother is, a pro, is a pro wrestler uh -huh. and he's buff as hell, but he doesn't have that definition. Do you know why? Because then fucking take steroids. You, look, there's a there's a reason I'm not a steroid taker. But there's a reason why if you're Will Smith in your 50s and you have to be shirtless in a movie, you're not going to sit there and do, you know, 100 push-ups on your own. You're going to take juice, human growth hormone. You're going to get on a training regimen. They still have to work out. It yeah, just, it's just the ability to 
you know, work out to where the muscle can't move anymore. And then you can go work out the next day. Your the you healing factor is up. It's it. Chris Hemsworth is on steroids. Look at a picture of him before Thor. Look at a picture of him after Thor. Joe Rogan, of all people, had this guy on that has a pretty big YouTube channel where they talk about people that are on juice. I find this whole conversation very interesting. And uh, they had a picture of Chris Hemsworth in the movie right before Thor. And then Thor, I'm like, I think he grew. I think I have this picture. This is the picture of Chris Hemsworth before Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, people talk about that with Chris Pratt, too. And I'm like, yeah, not even creatine can do that, my friend. Steroids. Right? <laughs> like, Steroids. If we go to the next live show, it's a ripped, we're on juice. Just know that we're on juice. <laughs> so so one of the things I wanted to talk about, though, is the money aspect of this, because this is where I think there's actually some tension between Jason and I. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree with you that somehow they're still making money off of this stuff. Although when we are talking about, like, Shang-Chi, I was like, well... Um, I was just looking at the stats for Marble Phase 4 movies except mm. for Wakanda Forever mm. they have all underperformed dramatically they still make a profit They have not. nobody's losing money off these movies because they sell in every market in the world mm-hmm. like that's the thing that people don't understand like an American horror movie is an American horror movie it is not it, it, it'll play in Britain it'll play <laughs> you know uh, maybe some Germans will watch it um maybe some mexicans canadians are basically americans anyway but uh really pissing off your audience there but um i mean look look you know it's all the actors are british anyway they might as well be so so but it's not going to do well in china no one's going to sell that movie in china um a marvel movie or a dc movie for that matter will do well in china um, it'll do, and, and it leads to weird shit. I mean, it has led to like, if you watch the, the, um, Black Widow movie, which tries to be an anti-communist movie. It also tries to set it in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why are they doing that? I mean, I know they have to make their own timeline work, but I'm like, why keep the element of it? Then I also like, oh, but they can't update it in other ways because it might upset the Chinese market. So it has to be this vague, like mm-hmm. scary Soviet, but not Soviet. They're in Cuba. It's it's Russian Cuba. No one, we don't have a Cuba market, so we can like fuck Red with them. Dawn. Yeah, like, yeah I, exactly. I, I have I, I used to have a, a friend, and for a long time he worked at uh Disney's home video division. Mm-hmm. and he actually helped manage my last band Le Fin Absolute Dumont and he sat us down one day and said one of the big things I learned about working at Disney was planning and one thing I never really understood was that these movies lose money and he said Cars 2 didn't really make that much money for Disney and I was like really? he goes no he goes, but where it made money was the VHS cassettes afterwards of all the little cheaper made sequels that weren't Pixar, all the toys, the blankets, and the pajamas. And they sat us down and they were like, this is where we make our money. It's not in the movie. And looking at a movie 
as a commercial and then starting to find out like some of the big tentpole stores you see in places like Times Square in New York or downtown San Francisco. These stores hemorrhage money every month, but they are giant billboards for a brand. And I'm sure some of those movies hurt, right? I'm sure they thought maybe, maybe the Eternals could have been bigger. But ultimately, when we go out on Halloween and when we go to the Disney store, or not even the Disney store anymore, when we go to Walmart, what do we see the toy bins filled with? We're all goofy adults. We all walk in the toy section for whatever reason. And what do we see? We see Star Wars toys of all sizes and age demographics. Yeah, that's true. Marvel toys. That's all I see when I and go the to clothes that Look, I'm wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt today. I have a Spider-Man t-shirt because it's cheaper to buy a Spider-Man t-shirt than it is to buy a plain t-shirt. A plain white tee. The yeah. Spider-Man t-shirt was probably six bucks. Yeah. So, that, yeah. It, yeah. They, they, control, they control the culture market on a level that is kind of unfathomable because, again, as we were growing up, if you knew who Wolverine was and Moon Knight, you were a fringe weirdo. Now the most normie cat in the world is rocking a Moon Knight tee. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have a Moon Knight tee. Yeah. I, <laughs> you have a Moon Knight tee. Are there any Irish? I, I, I don't have one. Are there any Irish superheroes? Uh, yeah, like Captain Britain. He's coming back. I thought Captain Britain was written into Yeah, I think the Irish superhero might be a supervillain in his roster. Uh, I would totally have. The bomber. No. All the Irish. Orange Man will be the Irish superhero. So I want to portray my nerdism. Supervillain. There's five. There's five Irish superheroes. They're all X-Men. There's. A bunch of them in X Men, like there's a whole family. Name, like, name them, name them, name them. We gotta name them. Shamrock, Banshee, Fergus, <laughs> no, Banshee, Fervis, McTaggart. I mean, they all have terrible names, like Moria <laughs> McTaggart, <laughs> like Target. Banshee, yeah, I know Banshee, Fergus <laughs> McTaggart. Yeah, the Fergus McTaggart. Uh, I think, I think I actually, I'm thinking conflating Mora McTaggart. The, the other uh, two I can't remember, but I know they exist. It's like somebody's got somebody's related to. Uh, we got done dirty. We got done dirty. Shamrock, the leprechaun, yeah, the bomber. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's why I don't like Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> it was the, the best. Are there bomber? Are, are, are there Scottish uh, heroes? That's the one I'm like. I don't know. Yeah, McTaggart because McTaggart is on Scot Scottish. They live in a Scottish island in the land of Scotland. There's, right. not, there's a you know uh, uh it's a very no, like, american thing isn't it all like the marvel movies like yeah, which just marvel and dc and comic books it's an incredibly american well, they uh, tried to diversify them yeah it is and we tried to diversify them in the 70s and that's what things like the shamrock that's... happened <laughs> keep it keep it that's also when things like black panther happened um, because what happened over the 80s and 90s is people tried to look at these diversified 70s stereotype characters and go like, can we make them not suck? And in the case of <laughs> in the case of T'Challa, it literally took 30 years. But um, 
that that comic book i i read back and read some early black panther comics they are not mm -hmm. interesting but it's yeah. funny, isn't it, though, that, that now that we have the movies go out to a global worldwide audience, that still the comics, the original source material, don't seem to have really penetrated pop culture. No, Blade. You know, as, as... Blade is a Dracula yeah. person. I, maybe you call him a villain because he, he fights Dracula. He didn't have his own. Sure. Right, because Drac who is Dracula, right? Remember when Marvel in the 70s wanted to roll out horror comics? So Blade, if you watch, or, or I used to have a graded edition of the first Blade. And the cover, he's like, Deacon Frost, you jab turkey. <laughs> 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 like, like Blade originally was a very, you know, different character. And when we talk about the diversification of, of, of superheroes and characters, uh, one thing that's fascinating to me about the first Blade movie, which really saves Marvel, it's a quote-unquote black film that you don't realize is a quote-unquote black film it, because it's done so. You don't even realize it's like a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. It's a bloody vampire movie in an era where superhero movies have become very dark. The Crow, Matrix. Mm. And, it, and it, I can watch Blade 1 over and over again. I don't know if you guys feel the same way about, about the Blade movie. I've and you don't even... You don't even think about it being a Marvel movie. I had to remind myself that it was a Marvel. I had to remind myself that Morbius uh, <laughs> um, yeah. is technically related to Blade. Um, uh, it's it's Daywalker. <laughs> so, what are the what are the problems that you have? Is a lot of the darker Marvel IPs don't carry in the Disney universe, and they did try mm -hmm. to take care of that a little bit with the Netflix, and they took that yep. back. Yeah. Um, but like, if I, I I guess we've just like blocked out that the Marvel Knight movies happened concurrent to the Marvel movies. So New Mutants. Uh, no, that's that's separate. Like the Ghost Rider. Oh, these are all the oh, most popular, you mean the like Nick Cage ones. Or you mean right. when they tried to? Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. The, and Marvel yeah. Knights was tied to Marvel Studios. It was like we have these darker properties that we have to do something with, with to do Blade again. Uh, and so that they did it. They started with the Ghost Rider movies, and basically were like, well, that lost a lot of money. Never mind. And I find it interesting because it tells you a lot about the cultural market that you're operating in, right? Um, what Blade was trying to do was make comic book movies palatable to adults. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Disney does not feel the need to make anything palatable to adults because they, it sees adults as lemmings too. So like, <laughs> uh, like, like we like that. And I kind of think that's a little bit behind why they pulled back the Netflix shows other than IP stuff as well. Because like when I'm like, okay, where are they going to put, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, which is a very pretty, very adult dark character, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, uh, all these aughts written comics that they aughts and eighties during darker periods that they where are they going to put those in this current universe? Like you go back and watch the the next Marvel shows, and they're pretty good, have complex characters, but that New York has no place in the Disney Studio in New York, even if it's owned by Disney. Like you can't. You can't put that in the same world and it makes sense. Um, I'm like, okay, 
You know, where's Luke Cage in Wakanda forever? Nowhere. <laughs> Luke Cage. Um, She's like, where you going, Jive Turkey to college? Why you Negroes fighting with spears? <laughs> um, but it, it does bring me to the other one. Uh, you know, we were talking about this. Wakanda forever, like, also did break the twin trend of uh, the most current round of Marvel movies not selling well. Like, no one cared about Shang-Chi. Really, no one cared about the Eternals. Uh, people also didn't care about prior properties that had done well, like Thor Love and Thunder did not do that well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess one of my things is like when you when you have someone like James Gunn attack YTD and you let them and you give them a little bit of creative control, then you take it away. It actually does piss the audience off. Um, is that COVID related, though? I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say because other movies have done well. They marked their expectations post COVID down. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, so, um, and, and, uh, they still did pretty crappily. No, not bad enough that you have like a lawsuit like Scarlett Johansson did for, for the, for the Black Widow movie. Uh, but the, 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 the Wakanda Forever movie blew expectations out of the water. I, it's done better than expected. Um, it does tell you that we are still in a moment, despite the fact that I think um what something like i was reading that only 14 percent of comic book readers are black which is actually makes sense it's about the level they are in the, in the general american population um and these demographics tend to be american-centric um mm-hmm. but we're in a moment where that sells really well but the thing is that we, we're talking about i think you'd mentioned off air that everybody is wearing a chasmet bozeman costume bozeman mm-hmm. would have been other than hensworth the the one of the only actors that they were able to launch into the stratosphere as a star independently and he died and yes. so mm-hmm. i don't think yeah. that's going to happen again now. um yeah. so it's 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 an interesting dynamic because it does indicate that there is still some want like the studio system hasn't totally beat everyone out of some star expectations also that's why tom cruise movies can still make money i don't really understand like i I actually enjoyed the last top gun movie but like why um um, well guys but yeah anyway well let's continue this conversation yeah we should definitely continue this conversation you guys have something to say you disagree with us you want to add something to this discussion throw it in the comments we want to see what you guys have to say i think Derek varn's fingers will be very busy in the comments of this discussion Discourse, very nice to meet you. Yeah, it's lovely to meet you. Yeah, well, I, I think there's a ton more to say. There's a ton more to say. So we're going to have to come back to the question of IPs, movies, and what is art. But we have Todd McGowan waiting in the green room. So with that in mind, we are out.